Welcome to Road School Moms Radio, where education meets adventure, right here on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. I'm Mary Beth Goff, the road trip teacher, sharing my adventures in homeschooling from behind the wheel of my RV, currently in America's backyard. And I'm Holly Giles from the Giles Frontier, sharing my experiences in parenting right here on my back porch in Central Florida. Join us as we share our Christian perspective on parenting and home education. So find yourself a quiet, cozy spot, and let's share a little time together. Oh my gosh, Holly, I cannot believe how many times we've gotten to meet up already this season and record podcasts together. When I look back at how many shows Kimberly and I had together on previous Road School Moms episodes, there was never hardly any time we were together, yet you and I, in just this short amount of time, have made so many opportunities to be together. I know. Well, you're passing through. (laughs) My travels now have a purpose through Central Florida to sit on your back porch. Yes, yes. And eat... Venison burgers. I know. All my family ate venison burgers. Yes, they did. Grayson's famous burgers. I know. It was awesome. I love it. That's my second time having venison burgers, though, here. Mm -hmm. So, And this is not my first time in your homeschool room, either. I love it here. Yeah, homeschool room, guest room, you know, it kind of doubles as that. I like sleeping in your homeschool room. You know what is my favorite thing about your homeschool room when what? I sleep here? The stars and on the oh, yeah. ceiling. Did, did they glow yes. in the dark? I knew it, yeah. I love that. I love to stare off on those and when I'm on my way to sleep. <laughs> so what is this? I was I don't mean to be snooping around, but I was noticing all of Grayson's chicken scratches. He's so interesting to me. He has such... Grayson's character is so interesting to me and his landscaping business. And yes. I noticed that he had just printed out all these invoices and all of his chicken scratch with his ledger. Tell What is all this? Yeah, so this is his ledger. He started a lawn business when he was 11. And it was one of those things where it started on a whim where he just wanted to mow a couple lawns. And I thought, you can't mow lawns. You've never mowed lawns before. You know, Grayson had strength issues on his right side. And our lawnmower is a huge commercial lawnmower, which is difficult for Curtis to use. So we were kind of glary about that. But anyway, he just said, I'm going to start a lawn business. I'm going to go up and down the street. And he made these little business cards on paper. (laughs) And he wrote little notes on why he would be trustworthy to mow your lawn. And Curtis was like, just give it a try and we did and within two weeks that boy had eight lawn accounts wow what and a story i was floored i was floored i couldn't believe that first of all i thought well wait a minute this is sort of going to interfere with our schedule and i'm i'm thinking that's too much right because right? we have school and we have all these things and my schedule you know we can't just be mowing lawns all the time plus he got lawns that his father had to drive him to hook up the trailer get all the equipment and drive him to but curtis he says you know let's just let him do it let him get out of his system and you know whatever well he was 11 he's now 15 
and that business has grown. His father works for him. (laughs) His brother works for him. And they mow on Monday. So my husband actually takes off work every Monday, uh, unpaid, and works for his son. He drives him around. He does a lot of the work with him and gets paid at the end of the month. (laughs) That's such an awesome story. What a great introduction to episode 179 of Road School Moms. All about uh, young entrepreneurs and how to nourish that spirit how to nourish that spirit and what a wonderful story so that's our you know that made my husband and I start thinking about what is it about kids and adults that are entrepreneurs what is it about them is there a personality trait that you're born with is there something that's just an age or could you possibly raise an entrepreneur what are your thoughts on that well you know for me I've always worked for myself that's true. You have, have that personality. I do. And so for me, probably, I, I I, think my kids probably have that. I don't know that it's a trait that they inherited from me. I think it's probably one that they've imitated mm-hmm. from me. And uh, I've got a story of my own that I'll share a little bit later. But when I look at kind of maybe how they perceive what I do, that probably builds that spirit into them. Um, so I would think that that may be how some kids get that idea or that notion maybe to be young entrepreneurs but I think that probably it's more directed towards their character I or think what so because as you're talking your dad is that way as well yes very much he's so. dabbled in different businesses yep. and you learned it from him I did and my brother's the same way and you possibly have that drive right and that drive I think you can be born with mm-hmm. that you can nurture it but I think you have to be born with that so you definitely have that in your family. I don't, I can't see where particularly in my family, I don't really have anyone who runs businesses, but I have that spirit within me and I've tried lots of different things and my husband is not, he's more slow and steady, do the same, that kind of thing. And he kind of gets the deer in the head. Like you've seen that look in my husband's eye. I have actually. <laughs> I have. And I think it scares him a little when yes. we're together because he sees a double trouble coming through the door. And I've tried lots of different things, <clears throat> but I wasn't afraid. Like I never, if, if I failed, that's okay. Right. I just go on to the next You've got to be a risk taker if you're going right. to be in business for yourself. It's and he doesn't it. necessarily have that, you know. That's okay. Idea. It takes safe havens for what people like us. What was it like that us. he said that he was for me today? He said something about he was the something with both your crazy train. He was the, I can't remember. <laughs> Whatever it was. Train, yeah, yeah, it was something about your crazy train. He had to hold back the crazy. That's right. He has to keep it down yep. in check. I so, can see that. Yes. That's a good thing. So we were talking about whether you're born with it. Could you nurture it? Could you build a young entrepreneur? And how does that fit in a lifestyle of homeschooling? And so we sort of just talked about a few things from very young age. And I came up with the thought of play and how important that is in a child's life. For us, it was it was paramount. I our kids played. Like like that wasn't, oh, we have to do this. We did not start school early, early. I wanted them to be kids. I felt that I didn't have that when I was young. And we both wanted our kids to be kids. So play was a big part. 
imagination, you know, letting all of that transpire. And I kind of think that plays a part in it. I think so too. And I think, and you know, at an early age when they're toddlers and when they're, you know, learning to walk and they're doing all these things, those first four or five years, for sure, so much of what they do is imitation. They're imitating a lot of the things they see from you, from, you know, from a parent, from whoever they're spending time with during the week or whatever. And so until they start using their imagination and, and playing and being allowed to express some of their freedoms and, you know, doing the things that they find interest in, that's when they're truly going to find what, you know, what they're interested in, what their spirit is really all about, not just in imitating mom or dad right. at home. Right. And then I think after those years, letting them have a natural risk value mm-hmm. as far as their play is involved, like climbing and all those times of kinds of things is not interfering with that. Mm-hmm. I think nowadays, what is the term people use? Helicopter parenting. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, you know, really rushing in before the child even has the chance mm-hmm. to experience that emotion or endorphin or what have right. you of that uh, adventure or fear and really let them assess their own risk. And I think when you let them do that, there there is an amount of, sometimes you see kids that have no fear. You know what I'm talking about? Like the kid that just goes all in and just, you know, whatever. You mean the one that lives in my house? That's, oh, well, yeah, yeah. I got it. But it helps them to develop a, their own sense of fear. Don't you think? Like their own boundaries. Yes, because, you know, that obviously, that I mean, we're all different, but that's something that's very different in some people. And so even if you're, the, you know, those kids that have that big, you know, no fear factor, they, they've got to find their balance somewhere. Right. So, so you have to let the, I mean, as hard as it is, it's, you've got to kind of shut your eyes really hard and just pray for the best. And then I thought about problem solving. Mm-hmm. That's a big term that people use, or I can't think of the term that people, critical thinking. I was going to say critical okay? thinking, yep. But they're trying to teach it from a book or a lesson standpoint, and I don't think that really is getting at the heart of it. Were you one of those moms that ran in at the playground whenever there was a little scuffle going on and broke it up? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Neither was I because I felt like that's kind of where you get your footing and you learn to solve those, that's my ball yep. kind of a problems early on. If, we, if we're if we interfering and taking that away, as our kids get older, they really have a difficult time relating to other people. Don't you think? I do. And on the critical thinking end of it, it's that's more something also that has to be nourished and has to be, you, know, you got to give it room to grow. Right. You can't stifle it all and keep it real neat and tidy because it's, then it's never good. You're never going to see where it goes from there. That's true. If you look at <clears throat> history, you look at great entrepreneurs or people who contributed huge things to the world or, you know, our society into the world, they really were a little bit different. Don't you think? Yeah. And sometimes we want to keep our kids in the pool of what we think is normal. And so if they're straying out, sometimes we try to herd them back in a little bit Mm -hmm. because we're afraid. We might be afraid of what that really means or what that looks like. For us, I think it's important to let them stray. If they have that ingenuity or thought or imagination, let them stray a little bit. And you know, to be quite honest, 
for my husband and I, we go back to a lot of things with Grayson having a stroke. You know, I think there's a lot of things we would have not done or done differently than we do. So for Grayson, we were just told he was going to be different. So we just went with it. But I'm not sure I would have felt that way if that wasn't our situation. You know what I mean? That I wouldn't have herded him back to the crowd. So it was just like, okay, well, we'll just go with it. And we did. And I think that's one of the key factors in his personality, the way it developed and how we nurtured that and letting him go his own way. It might have been different. Uh, So when Grant came along, we just thought, well, we let him go his own way. I guess Grant's going too. (laughs) Right. It worked for one. It must be good for the second. That reminds me, this is kind of reminds me of a show that we'd done a little over a year ago here at Road School Moms about independent learners. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And it just, not a lot about it, but just this reminds me that we came to the conclusion that independent learners aren't really born that way. They're trained up that way. And that comes from, you know, giving them the tools that they, giving them the space they need to be self-motivated. That goes back to you and I show on being bored here a couple weeks ago. And the idea in homeschooling in general. Yes. Right? Right. So self-motivation is there. Curiosity, you know, that's something that you you don't really teach a kid to be curious. You You have to train them to be curious. And when I say that, it means you have, again, you have to give them the the opportunity opportunity to be curious. Well, you know, I think curiosity gets stifled quite a lot. When Grayson was young, we, we had read about Thomas Edison as a boy. Mm-hmm. I've talked about this when we've traveled across the country in my talks, how I compare Grayson with, we used to call him Thomas, and uh, because he saw so many similarities in mm-hmm. himself and the way Thomas Edison was raised. And, you know, his mom really nurtured his difference mm-hmm. and his questions. I mean, he asked so many questions that the, the teacher couldn't take it. But his mother kind of just took that in stride, and she knew he had some kind of greatness going on, and she just found a way. And, you know, we look at Grayson. That boy could ask me questions from sunup to sundown, from government to how plants grow. I mean, nothing had a a thread, you know what I mean, that was just, it was exhausting. You know, we talk about it now, and he's like, really? Like, you were... Mentally, It was mentally exhausting. So I think for some parents, you're already mentally exhausted that it's easy to, okay, not now. I can't do that. It's easy to shut them down. Yes. But that, you know, that's another thing that for that independent learning characteristic is persistence. And that's something, again, is some kids are persistent by nature. I've got one of those too. It's that same no fear one we were talking about. (laughs) But persistence is another thing that, if you don't have a kiddo that's an independent learner by nature, you're going to have to do that by design. And that means you're going to have to help train them up in these things that were, I just was or talking about. Or work a little harder. That's right. Self-motivation, curiosity, critical thinking. You just okay. talked about it. Responsibility, but persistence. And that what that means is, just like you were talking about, if they don't get something the right the first time, don't just swoop in there and do it right for them. Let them figure keep it out. trying to figure it out until they get it right. And then that will help them learn to be a little more persistent and be a little bit more goal oriented. That's a great point. I hadn't thought about it that way because 
you know, you can have, like, you have four kids. I have two. They do have completely different personalities. One with that spirit of, I'm going to do it till I get it done. The other one with, eh, it didn't work. So I'm done with See that. See ya. Right. right. So thinking of how you're going to have to put a little more effort in the one and helping them to not let go so easily. Well, and not to let, you know, if you're a family that has multiple kiddos, and I find this in my own kids, if you've got one that's more self-motivated or doesn't like things to be messy, then he's going to be the one always cleaning up or he's going to be the always the one tidying up. You know what I mean? Like, yes. that's just one example. And so then the one that really doesn't care <laughs> is going to be the slob. Right. So what's that teaching? Right. You know, you've got to find the balance and make sure that there's some persistence on both sides of the fence there so that, you know, you don't have a slob and a clean freak right. when you have Christmas dinner 20 years from now. <laughs> or, I don't know. We seem to have that as adults. There's still kind of people pair off that way, right? Right. But we hopefully will find a balance. Right. Another trait we were discussing was grit. Have you heard that term before? I love it. You use that word grit a lot. And I love that word. I love that word. I call grit, when I think of grit, I literally think of grit. Like your feet are dug yeah, down. Me too. In the dirt. I, you dig your heels Squeezing your toes because oh, yeah, sure. you're not going. You're not giving up. Yep. Getting some traction. Yes. Oh, that's for, that's a word you've been using this evening was traction. We used that for the burgers, didn't we? That's how my burgers get traction on my bun. On the bun. I don't put anything on the bottom <laughs> so they don't slide around. That's a whole other show. That's another show with the traction in the hamburger bun. That's right. So grit, you know, I feel like that can be instilled in children mm-hmm. from a young age. To give an example, Grayson, when he was diagnosed with his stroke... The first thing as a mom is I just wanted to shield him from everything. Of course. I didn't want him to fall over the sidewalk anymore because he couldn't lift up his foot. I wanted to prevent him from doing things that I knew he was going to fail at. Right. But what I figured out after a while is I thought, you know what? He's never going to learn how to do it, and I can't do this for his whole life. So we're going to have to find a way for him to figure it out on his own. Right. So what we decided was we we didn't let him feel sorry for himself. And that was very difficult as a mother. I bet for sure. Is you want to shield your kid. You want to just scoop him up. Mm-hmm. But I thought, you know what? There's something about this boy. And if, if I don't do this now, we might really face some struggles later on with dependence, you know, and all those kinds of things. And so we never let him feel sorry for himself. It wasn't a, oh, you can't do that. It was, okay, well, we can't do it this way. How can we do it? So as he's growing, we never let him think there was something he couldn't do. It might not look like the other kids. We wanted him to figure out, okay, well, how can I do that? And I'll just tell you, there was a lot of nights, and still probably at his age, there's a lot of nights I might cry myself to sleep. (laughs) Right. But I really think it built grit in that boy. Oh, and yes. he doesn't. That's I, a I didn't. I didn't want him to see his. I didn't want him to 
use his weaknesses as an excuse. I wanted him to use them to build strength. Does that make sense? It does. And that when you really think about how much scripture talks about that, <laughs> even for us, you know, yes. and how we, why we're put on this earth. But really, when you think about it, it makes all kinds of sense. And he is, he is super strong. Grayson is super strong because of those yeah. weaknesses. Yeah. And so. I think for him, in part, when he started the lawn, he said, I want to show you that I can do it, mm-hmm. that I'm strong. And so that's when Curtis was like, you got to let him do it, you know? And I mean, he would hurt. You know, he struggles with hip issues and knee issues. He would come in and he would hurt. Um, you know, he would be sore and, you know, just have all kind of things. But he got back out there and did it again. And so how many years? He's had this business for four years. It's grown. He has the same clients. Um, he bills people monthly. And he has he takes care of the banking So Grayson does his own banking and we make him go in to the bank and he's gotten to know the tellers all these years and they know him. They have helped him understand how to do banking and how to sign checks, how to do all of those things. And they have expressed how impressive they are. You're like, wow, you've done such a good job. I'm like, you know, it's not me. It's him like this. If you're going to do this, this is what you have to do. We'll help you the first time, but then you've got to come along and I'm standing there with him all the time, you know, right. but that's Support. his deal, right? That's, right. that's, he's got to figure it out. And that's also helped him in speaking with people. Mm-hmm. It's helped his communication skills because if you want to do a job, you have to be able to shake somebody's hand and look them in the eye and, you know, come up with an estimate and all those different things. And wow, if I was given that opportunity, you know, you think about that at a young age, what that could lead to as an adult. I love that. And I love that you talked about him going to the bank and doing that teller work. Cause you know, the one thing that I, it occurred to me, and this has been several months ago, had nothing to do with this show. But one thing that has occurred to me is, you know, our kids live in such a different world. We know this than we did. Yes. But think about how many things you've done as a kid with a parent or a grandparent or a family member, whatever, in your day-to-day life where you had interaction with other people and you learned how to speak to people and you learned how to present yourself and you learned how to do certain things. In today's way things work, we can literally get up this morning and our kids will have them in tow, but we're on phones, we're doing digital, we're doing digital banking, we're ordering through a drive-up. Sometimes you don't even see a person, you just pay it. You, you do so many things without human interaction in a day, in our way we live today, that I think that our kids really miss out on some of that. And so for me, I have really tried the last six months. And one thing that I remember right out of the gate when I had this big revelation, I don't even know how, what came to me, how this even happened. But I remember vividly that the very first thing that I changed about myself was this. I have always, because I had four kids, or because I had more than a few, so whenever we'd go out to eat, it's always a big thing, right? What are you going to eat? And it would take it would take them forever to order yeah. off the menu. And, you know, well, what's the sides? And what, So I got to where I would figure out what everybody wanted before, and then I would, the waitress would come, and I would say, we're going to have chicken tenders with macaroni and cheese and applesauce. She'll have a water. He's going to have this, that, and And it was, <laughs> and, you know, the waitresses always loved it, and it always made for quick ordering, quick food, There was never any confusion. Nobody ever accidentally got the wrong thing. But what did that teach anyone? 
nothing. It's somebody else will do it for you. That's right. And so what happened is my oldest never wanted to do anything when it come to the restaurant thing. I guess this is probably where I started realizing okay. my mistake because at some point I had asked him to go pay for something. You know, he's 16 now. So this isn't, this has been in the last maybe a year ago. And I was like, he didn't want to go talk to whoever. And I remember my younger son said to him, Tyler, how are you going to ever, you know, do so? I don't even know what the conversation was, but you get the drift. Yeah. And so at the time I was like, okay, the restaurant ordering thing is coming off. You know, by this time, Tyler was ordering his own food, but I was still doing that for the younger ones because I want it to be methodic. Right. You know, there's that mama cape thing again. You got to have it, you know, get your cape off and let things go like they should instead of how you think they should. So that's one thing that I'm really cognizant of right now is things like that. And when you just said that about the banking, I'm thinking to myself, oh, I was so proud of myself about a that's been about this a year ago one of the first things tanner who's not my oldest he's my number two but he was bound to turvin he wanted a credit card and i told him you're not getting a credit card well he wanted a credit card because he didn't understand the difference between a credit card and a debit card he wanted to house his own money okay. somewhere where he could see he it, could get it and yeah. get to it and he builds computers and he does things and all this so he likes to have access to be able to buy and sell this stuff so I let him do that, and it just occurred to me as I'm talking to you, I violated my own rule because what we do? Well, we got online, and we opened up an online account, checking account, and he got a debit card, and he manages it beautifully online. But he doesn't have to talk to anybody. That's right. right. And so I guess if you can take anything out of this quest to train up young entrepreneurs that we're talking about, and I love all of your examples, but the one thing that I can bring to this is don't sell your kids short of all the things it takes to do these tasks right you know and the process because there's so much of that that's lost now there in the way is. our world works just what you're saying and then and there's no blame on you because if i had four kids at the age range that you did i would probably have done the same thing <laughs> but you know my husband and i grew up i mean i grew up in a very talkative environment where most on one side it was my grandfather was a coffee salesman Uh he was a salesman so he had to talk and that was his deal my grandmother was chatty by nature and not so much on the other side but i grew up in that environment where i was taught you look people in the eye you shake people's hand you interact that was instilled in me so having children that was very important to me and i see how easy it is to let that slip by mm-hmm. and we were sort of last on the list in our family of having kids and I watched my cousins have children and my friends have children and, and I saw how all of the technology was sort of coming in and separating really the voice separating your voice with people and I had a lot of jobs I've I've been working since I was 13 I would, I did a lot of receptionist type of jobs. So I was always, I knew how to speak to people, how to do this and how to do that. And that was just ingrained in me. And then, you know, things started to become automated right. on the phone. For me, drives me nuts because I like to talk to people. But this generation, they don't know Mm-mm. what it was like before. So they don't really see, you know, what they're missing unless you really make a big point of it. For me, that was huge for my kids. So 
from the time they really could understand a menu, my husband and I, they ordered for themselves. That was really important to us. Now, we didn't start going to restaurants until they were older because of our special needs situation. Mm-hmm. But let me just tell you, I'm sure I would have been the one ordering for them because it would have been easier <laughs> right? if I had little kids in a restaurant. So all of those things for me was important. But if you're growing up in this society where really you don't even have to talk to anybody on the phone. You don't. You could go days, right. literally, if you wanted. You could go days and not even speak you to do, a human being. Yes, you could never talk to a human being if you didn't want to. And I don't want to see our society go that way. Me either. I want you to know I would rather speak to you on the phone if it took 10 minutes longer. Because you know what happens a lot of times. <laughs> you know what happens a lot is... That texting thing, you get a lot of miscommunication. Well, and I was just going to say, you know, I, it makes me sad for our kids. My, you know, we travel. Yes. We already know this. So my kids have been away from their friends back home where they grew up right. now for several years. And I can remember in the beginning, especially my boys, because they had a couple of friends they were really close to. And I was in all the time saying to them, call so-and-so, you know, call, read, call, whoever. They wouldn't call. Even, at, you know, I mean, this has been, you know, four or five years right. ago even that they wouldn't do that. And so it's texting. It's text. So they've, there's so much emotion lost. You don't, things right. can get miscommunicated like you said. But there's also just things lost that aren't the same as picking up the phone and calling someone. Same things with writing letters. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know this is all like old-fashioned, but it's really... There's something to be said for some of those values that we learned as a kid. It is. Letter writing, that's another thing I'm really passionate about. Me too. You know, my grandmother, she saved so many letters from people. And it was just a few years ago, uh, I don't think it was probably the year before she passed away, I helped her go through some things. And she talked about specific letters at different points in her life and why she kept them and what it meant to her to be able to go back and read through that. And I thought about today in in texting is really none of it, it's really just uh, an easy, quick communication. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, meet me at Starbucks. Hey, blah, blah, blah. Do you have blah, blah, blah? You know, it's not an engagement of conversation. Without even the proper spelling, thank you. Right. Or I don't even understand any of that. I I have zero... (laughs) I have zero tolerance for it anyway, because I don't, I'm not that quick to grasp those... Right. And Acronyms. and so there that's what it is. There is there is no emotion in a text. But there can be emotion in a letter. Right. And there is there is emotion and inflection in your voice when you're on the phone. And I feel that is such a beautiful part of being alive that is being lost. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It makes total sense. And I think that, you know, a lot of these things that we're talking about you know, old fashioned values are what brings up young entrepreneurs. And this some of these true. things we're talking about that, you know, are all things that you're going to have to make sure that you're demonstrating to your kiddos and exposing them to if you want them to have this that spirit, entrepreneurial spirit. And right. we're not saying that everybody should work for themselves. No, we I don't think that everybody that. has that desire. But I think a lot of these traits really can serve you well in many areas of your life. And so for most families, just taking a simple step, maybe just taking one idea that you could kind of work into your life, because we're not saying, all right, halt what you're doing, 
you're doing it all wrong, and let's do it this way. Right. You take something that might be natural to you, but maybe you just don't even think about sharing it with your kids. That's so easy to do in our busy life is maybe we really enjoy writing a little note, but we don't share that with our kids. I like writing notes. I love writing notes. That's funny. And so if you know me, you probably at some point have gotten a note because to me that really can touch right to the heart. It's something that you can look back at. And it's personal. When and you're having a tough time. Personal communication. Well. It's so funny. You know, you and I have sat here today talking about things from our childhood and how things have come full circle. And it just occurred to me that I should share this with my kids. They, I don't even think they know this about me. My very first job, I was 10. I hadn't even thought about this until just now. I wanted a paper route because I couldn't think of any. And I lived in town. I was I, my brother mm-hmm. and I, but I was the older one. I was 10 and I wanted a paper route. My dad delivered mail. And I thought okay. that was the coolest thing. And so I would walk with him on our street before he we went to the next street. And then I would walk home to our house. And I got it in my head that I could do a paper route because it was the same thing as my dad was doing, only I could have a paper route. Well, guess what? You had to be 13 to have a paper route. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm a rule breaker and I wasn't going to rest for that. So I went to the commercial news. I found out who the district manager was. I don't even know how I did this at the time. I don't even You're kidding. No. Went to him. His name's Roger Bowen. I can tell you exactly who it was. Went to him. Told him my deal that I wanted a paper route and that I was old enough and responsible enough. I already knew all the people that lived there because my dad delivered the mail and I was the best person for the job. And, you know, they let me have a paper route and I had it for several years. Yeah. And I had that paper route and I'd done pretty well at it. And that was my first, that was probably my first look at me go... Young well, that probably fueled the fire it for you. It did for me. It did. Because you saw what putting in that little bit of ex- extra effort and going right in there, how that paid off for you. Which is reminding me of, I think I have saved some of these articles. Maybe we could plunk them in the show notes from coming across my feed and from friends that I know. Friends that I have who have children who've graduated and gone on and gone into different businesses, a lot of them have kind of that entrepreneurial spirit about them and they have come back and shared information on what it is businesses really are looking at. What makes the difference between the sea of kids out there? Now, when you're in school now, the pushes, you know, education and STEM and STEAM and all of these things and this and get this degree. I know, test scores and all of these children are kind of wedged and pushed through this funnel. And they're coming out the other side all alike. And you know how many kids right now are struggling to find a job. They're having to move back home. And they're not starting out maybe how their parents had Mm -hmm. started out. And what they're finding right now is it, it is those kids that stand out who have the communication skills, who have the problem solving, who have the grit, and all of those things that are as you said, layered through their life, and it becomes a natural part of them, those are the ones who are standing out and moving forward. Mm-hmm. And so those are the things I think, whether your kids are homeschooled or in public school, we really need to be paying attention to, is building those skills, whether they have a business of their own, or they're gonna be an engineer, or whatever they're gonna be. If you've got 25 young adults standing for the same position, what is it that's going to make... Oh, you know what that reminded me of? Uh, of the, the engineering thing. 
we, I have several friends who's, you know, we live in Central Florida. Lockheed Martin is a big yes. uh, industry here. And they do a lot of internships and things like that with the students. And their biggest thing is uh, I have several friends whose children have been chosen for positions because they played. They knew how to take things apart and they knew how to think critically from that, I'm going to say, play-based mindset when the other students did not because they were more book-based in their thinking and not really out of the box. You know, I have taken this apart and done this and I have thought about how to put it back together or I have done these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. That is what they're looking for. They can train you. Where I come from, that's called book smart versus street smart. (laughs) Street smart. Because you know what? Is I could train you to do whatever job I need you to do, but if you don't have those characteristics that are going to stand strong no matter what, I can't I can't train you in those characteristics, those foundational characteristics. Well, and that just goes to what we were talking about early in this broadcast, and we're coming back around to it, and that is you've got to give your kiddos that room to grow and to flourish, fertilize them, water them, you know, sprinkle on your own things to help them move along in the process. But you've got to let them find their own speed. And it brings me back to this quick story that I'll tell you quickly. You know, we owned a festival property for many years. This was back before we started traveling. And we had festivals during the year. And one 10-day festival, there were hundreds of thousands of people came through that property in 10 days. But what our listeners need to know is that your family actually ran the festivals. This is your entrepreneurial spirit in here where you were actually in charge of all these things. So your, your boys, who were your oldest... Have had watched you right run all of these things. Right. Okay, now and so, and so they had up to this point they'd help me in my stores and we had vendors and we done parking and we you know they hauled trash we'd done all that even though they were young at the time younger, but at this particular point we were doing country concerts so we were doing one a month and then we had some others we probably had I don't know six or seven that first year and when you come in the gate there was a registration and then a concession and there was this place between and that's where I always let the boys hang out because I could see them from wherever I was and Tyler my oldest hey mom I want to can I sell rocks and I'm of course I'm like whatever Tyler just keep it between the <laughs> registration and the concession I don't care what you do well, at the time, Tanner, younger, of course, he had the cute factor. He had the little blonde curly locks, and he and his little Purdue Well, you always outfit. have to have your bait in there. He was the bait. That is exactly <laughs> what he was. So he drugged Tanner along, and I looked out there at one point. This was the first concert. I looked out there, and I can remember thinking, why is the line longer by wherever Tyler's at right. than it is at the concession thing? And so I went over there and I thought, oh, you know, at first I was like, oh, how cute. He's selling rocks and all this. And I really didn't pay a lot of attention to it. Well, later on, the line was kind of still there. And there was literally there was more than one or two people. And it wasn't just like, oh, how cute. It was like people were listening to him and his hands are going. And, you know, of course, Tanner, he's doing his part and he's moving rocks around. He's doing all this. And so I went over behind one of those stands so I could listen and I can hear him. Somebody would walk by and they would say, well, how much are your rocks, buddy? And he'd be like, well, they're five for a dollar, unless you want a magic rock. <laughs> so he had this whole spin on things. Like, he was intelligent enough at the time. And he was probably only, honest to God, Holly, he was maybe, I'd have to look back. He's probably eight, nine, ten years old at this time. And, but he had this spin on how he was doing it. He'd already figured out that 
he had the cute factor with Tanner and you right. could sell rocks, but that that was only going to take him so far. so far. And he was, he'd been around enough at these festivals to know the more people you have, the more money you're going to get for things. And if you can find something that somebody really wants, then you can get more for that one thing. So he had that all, that was what his rock business was about. And I have to tell you that before that summer was over, before those series of concerts were over, that kid had banked like 200, a little over $200 at those concerts. From doing nothing more than selling, selling rocks. magic rocks. You know, and he got to be at the later dates where he was place painting things on some of them. And he was taking some from certain places in town. And some had come out of the creek. And he would say, well, these, you know, are from Raccoon Creek. I mean, he was really, he was uh, pretty savvy. That in is his awesome. So... Yeah, so I, I guess what I'm my the reason I'm telling you that story, just like you with Grayson's story, is that that kind of spirit, yes, I'm sure there's something within them that, you know, has to be brought out. But it, it's really more about their environment and giving it them is, the opportunity. Giving them the opportunity. That's right. That's and letting that imagination. So he had already he'd already assessed the situation. He sees money exchanging. Right. That's what he's been noticing. So yes. now he wants a part of the action and how can he do that? Mm-hmm. And how fabulous that is. I mean, selling rocks. That I mean, that wasn't even like he had to make something. Right. He's selling rocks. That is amazing. I remember at the beginning thinking, whatever, just as long as you're not getting into any trouble and you guys are, you know. Right. Little did I know what that was going to turn into. So it's just kind of fun to think back. I'll have to find a picture of that. I can remember it vividly in my head. you find a picture, we're going to have to put it in the show notes. I will. We'll, we'll put a picture of Grayson mowing a lawn. Yes. But it's also, you know, even you know, lemonade stands. Yes. That's really kind of a basic. We're teaching them about money. And there's nothing greater for a child, not for you to give them the money, not for you to do it for them, but letting them exchange goods and services for mm-hmm. money and how that actually works. And I think sometimes children don't see that. And I'll share just a silly thing. When I was, I was probably nine, we had moved into a home that my mom had purchased. And I was with the, a sitter who picked me up from school and the kids were in the car and they're like, well, how much did your mom pay for that? How much did your mom buy that house for? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I think like $200. <laughs> so I really had zero no, concept yeah. Right. of money. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? I think back, wow, I should have known differently. I don't know. I thought that was so funny to remember that. And I remember the sitter looking at me like I was nuts. <laughs> and I was like, because no one had brought me into any of that. Right. You know, so I didn't have that that concept. Even a yard sale. Something as simple as a yard right. sale really can get kids the idea mm-hmm. of the value of things or what people bargaining and all those different things can carry over in different parts of your life. Well, and if you're fortunate enough to be, you know, if you're part of a homeschool club or I can tell you, we've had our V rallies actually where we have a young entrepreneur, entrepreneurs marketplace and we let the kids come in at some of these rallies that we've done in the past and sell things. And it's always amazing. And that can be from everything from like, I can tell you at the last one that I was at, Tori went and made bats out of pipe cleaners and sold those. <laughs> so you have everything from that to actual really nice artwork pieces. And I, there was some really fun imagine you know, imagination is what they use to figure out, you know, just right. all kinds of things, all ages. And it's really kind of fun to see what they can all come up with. You know, homeschooling lends itself 
to really building on that environment if you allow it. It gives you the freedom. And we have been, we've traveled across the country at different homeschool conventions. We've seen, we've seen young entrepreneurs mm-hmm. selling and creating amazing things. Right. And they credit given the time as they were kids to really build on those things. And we're going to talk in another episode about the families that we meet who do family businesses like we do. That's sort of a a little bit different, but it's building on the same idea and what those families have done. So we just kind of want to wrap that up and kind of go over a little bit of points that we made. Play, we both felt like imagination was really big. Uh, Grit and... All you got to think of is digging your feet in the dirt. Right. And determination. <laughs> determination. And getting some traction. Communication. Building that communication as far as social skills. Really, we're losing a generation of social skills. Yes. Through technology. Which, you know, technology isn't bad, but it is so easily taking away things that aren't, don't even, aren't missed mm-hmm. by this particular generation. Handling money, of course, is very important from a very young age, whether it's a chore situation or they they work and have a job. It's very important that they aren't just, I feel like, my husband and I feel like we don't give, we don't just give our kids stuff. They have to pay for it. So Grayson, you know, he's, he's a big hunter. He actually gets to travel. Um, people are like, oh, wow, how can you afford that? We can't afford it. He has to pay for it. So if my husband has to drive him somewhere, he is paying the gas, he's paying whatever it is so that he can attend whatever event that is because that's his own thing. And we, we really believe in that, that that's really instilling that work ethic in him. And really, like you both said, building on their natural talents, I right. think is important. That and feeding, you know, you can feed your kids in all kinds of ways, physically, spiritually, and all of that, but you have to feed your kids natural abilities and their interests and their curiosities and give them the space like we talked about and the freedoms and the opportunity. That's the key word, I think. The oppor- is giving and don't them the be afraid if it's different than what you do or your husband does. Don't exactly. be afraid to That's let so that true. kind of filter out and see what comes out of it. So true. So there you have it, Road School Moms. That is Holly and I's take this week on how to nurture your young entrepreneurs. And until next time, safe travels and God bless. Thank you for joining us for another episode. Please remember to share your review with iTunes. Stay connected with the Road School Moms team from wherever in the world you are. Like our Facebook page for all the latest news and join our private group, for a more personal connection. You can also check our Pinterest boards for more resources and encouragement. Connect with me, Mary Beth, through my website at roadtripteacher.com. We invite you to leave comments, ask questions, and leave your prayer requests at roadschoolmoms.com. There, you can subscribe to our newsletter to keep up with all our adventures. To connect with me, Holly, visit thegilesfrontier.com. This has been a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.